Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. The book of Hosea begins the final group of books in the Old Testament. These 12 books, called the Minor Prophets, may actually have been combined into one book in ancient times called the Book of the Prophets. It was to these, plus the four major prophets, that the Lord Jesus himself referred to in Luke 24:44. And he said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. Hosea, like all of the minor prophets, is a book that is full of the revelation of Christ. Particularly, Hosea also reveals that it is God's deep longing to have a love relationship as a husband to a wife with his people. Bob Danker has joined us as we begin this life study, not just of Hosea, but we're taking all of the minor prophets with the exception of Zechariah as one life study, and we'll just run right through them, Bob, and this is our inaugural Uh, study of the Minor Prophets. Good to have you with us for it. It's good to be with you, Chris. And these books are truly marvelous because, as you read in Luke 24, they speak concerning Christ. So Christ is really the center of these books, and he's revealed in a marvelous way, in the way of prophecy. And also, God's people are revealed as his spouse, his Mm. wife, his counterpart. Right. This shows us that God has a deep longing to have a group of people who will be one with him in an organic union, a union of life, and also a union of love. Bob, I mentioned that we're going to take all of these books with the exception of Zechariah. That, of course, is because we've already covered Zechariah in a previous life study. Witness Lee took all of these books, this uh, group of 11, in one long life study. We will cover it that way. And I'll mention right up front as we begin today, these messages are all included in one printed volume with uh, 35 messages total. So if you'd like to get that, uh, we'll give you the information at the end of the program about how you can contact us to uh, receive the printed life study, including all of the minor prophets, again, with the exception of Zechariah. Okay, Bob, we read that verse in Luke 24, verse 44. There's another reference in the New Testament to the book of the prophets, implying that these 12 books uh, at one time may have been in one volume. Uh, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, verse 42 there, as he's making that tremendous presentation just prior to his being stoned, refers to the book of the prophets. Uh, So it's fitting to consider these all as one group, isn't it? That's right, Chris. And they do somewhat amplify or provide more detail 
to the revelation of Christ that we have already seen in our life studies of the four major prophets. Yes, that's right. All the prophets reveal Christ. Christ is the center. In the prophets, we can read many things concerning Israel, concerning the nations, but actually, Christ is the center. All right, let's join Witness Lee with the first segment of our life study on the Minor Prophets. Today we're in Hosea, but in this opening message, we're really going to get a kind of overview of this whole group of uh, Minor Prophets. The Minor Prophets are composed of 12 books from Hosea to Malachi. Although these books are minor, they complete the divine revelation concerning God's economy in his dealings with his land, that is Israel, and the nations, which is covered in detail in the books of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. All the books of both the major and minor prophets were called by the Lord Jesus the prophets. In uh, Luke 24:44, in which things covering him were written. This tells us that when we come to the prophets, the books of prophets, not only the big ones, major ones, even the minor ones, we have to realize the central point of the prophets' books is Christ. It is not judgment, it is not suffering, it is not sinful thing and so forth, but Christ. The contents of the prophets is God's economy in dealing with his people and with the nations, issuing in the manifestation of Christ as the centrality and universality of God's economy to bring in an age of restoration. This sentence is not too long, but it covers the contents of all the prophets. All the prophets, from Isaiah to Malachi, they all are the same. The emphasis is the same. What is this? That is God's economy. God does have an economy. Bob, really, whether we're considering the so-called major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Daniel, or these minor prophets, we can see a lot of judgment, sufferings, the sins of Israel, all of these things seem to be dominant, but they're not the central thing, are they? They are not. And as Witness Lee pointed out, the central thing in the books of the prophets, I would say in the whole Bible, is Christ with God's economy. In the Minor Prophets, we can see this economy. God's economy is his plan or his administrative arrangement to dispense himself in Christ as the Spirit into all his chosen and redeemed people so that he can saturate them and permeate them with himself. The result of this dispensing of God in his economy is that Christ mm. becomes the center the centrality, and the universality. Christ becomes all in all. Ultimately, this Christ, who today is hidden, unseen to the eyes of the people of the world, will be manifested. 
at the end of this age to bring in a time of restoration. Right. And all the prophets speak about this age of restoration, which will be ushered in through the manifestation of Christ. So the real focus of the prophets is not, as you said, not judgment, not the sins of Israel, not the sufferings of God's people under the chastisement of the nations and so forth. It is really God's economy, which is to make Christ everything, all and in all. Bob, uh, he gave us this very comprehensive sentence that somewhat encapsulates the central message of all of the prophets you've been talking about. I'd just like to repeat this sentence because it's so efficient in its use of words, and yet it conveys so much. The content of the prophets is God's economy in dealing with his people and the nations, issuing in the manifestation of Christ as the centrality and universality of God's economy to bring in an age of restoration. This has always been the center of God's heart, hasn't it? It has been, and still is, actually. God is still overseeing and administrating the entire world, including the situation of Israel there in the Middle East and all the nations on this earth for one purpose, that is to bring in the manifestation of Christ as the centrality and universality of his economy so that the age of restoration, that is the thousand years of the millennium, may come in and ultimately issue in the new heaven and new earth with the new Jerusalem. This is really the focus of the entire Bible. Bob, I'd like to take a minute or two here now as we prepare to go to Witness Lee for our second section. We're going to see in in the way of overview, which we often do in our initial life studies when we start a new book, we're going to see some key points from a number of the minor prophets. And these verses, I think, are very helpful. So let's read some of these verses from uh, various of the minor prophets. In Amos 4.12, Therefore, this is what I will do to you, O Israel. And because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And Bob, a second crucial point from Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever, for he delights in loving kindness. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And afterward I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Indeed, even upon the male and female slaves in those days... I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of Jehovah comes. And everyone who calls on the name of Jehovah shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem will be an escape, as Jehovah has said, even for the remnant whom Jehovah calls. Marvelous passage there, Bob. We have that referred to in the New Testament as well. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says, See, he who is puffed up, his soul is not upright within him, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Sounds familiar also to a new, very, very well-known New Testament passage. Micah chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. Do not rejoice against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I will rise up. When I sit in the darkness... Jehovah will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of Jehovah. 
for I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute justice for me. He will bring me forth into the light. I will see his righteousness. Well, now I think, Bob, when we say that uh, the central thing in these minor prophets is Christ, that casts a little more meaning. Here's Witness Lee with our second portion. Now, some crucial points. I like these points of uh, minor prophets. Prepare to meet your God. In the whole Bible, there is no other verse that tells us, prepare to meet God. When I was about 20 at the main railway station in London, there's a big sign that says, prepare to meet your God. I think all the airlines should have such a... (laughs) All the airports, prepare to meet your God. Right? Number one. Number two, God pardons. This book talks about God's forgiveness in different ways. God pardons our iniquity and passes over our transgression, trading our iniquities underfoot and casting our iniquities into the depths of the sea, all our sins. Number three, the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The outpouring that initiates the church life was prophesied in Joel, was prophesied among the minor prophets. That was a great thing in the whole universe. Then, number four, the righteous one will live by his faith. (laughs) The just will have life and live by faith. And this is prophesied by the minor prophets. Don't think Paul initiated. They are just living by faith. Not Paul. Paul quoted. But one of the minor prophets prophesied this. Then another. Number five, God is light. You know, when the Lord Jesus came, he told us, I am the light of the world. We consider that as a very, very marvelous word. But in the Old Testament, in the Minor Prophets, it prophesied that God is light to us. God is light to his people and brings his people into light. So these are the particular crucial points in the Minor Prophets. Bob, he began this section by saying he loved these points. I have to say I also love these points. They are really some of the uh, uh, juicy nuggets from uh, our New Testament, aren't they? They are. They remind me of the uh, preaching of the gospel. The first point is prepare to meet your God. Yeah. Of course, this word was spoken about God coming to judge the people. But then the next point is truly marvelous that God is willing to forgive our iniquities. He's the pardoning God. He's the redeeming God. The one who forgives our sins, passes over our transgressions, treads them under his feet, and casts our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Isn't that marvelous? (laughs) That is really the good news. That is. That this wonderful God is the forgiving God. And then he poured out his spirit on all flesh so that this spirit may reach us and inspire us to believe in the Lord Jesus. 
and then uh, as we believe, then we are justified by God. We become righteous, as Habakkuk said, the righteous one will live by faith. So instead of being judged by God unto death, we live by our faith. We're justified by God, and we receive his divine life, and we can live by this life through our faith. This is obviously a marvelous point of the New Testament. Mm. This is God's desire that we all have life and that we would live by faith. And then the last point, the fifth one, God is light. God wants to bring us out of all kinds of darkness and cause us to live in him as the divine light, to walk in the light, to have fellowship with him, to have a living that's absolutely in the light. These are marvelous points that we find in the New Testament as part of the gospel. You know, the three main uh, contributors or figures to the New Testament, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, these were passages that each of these three quoted. Peter on the day of Pentecost uh, quotes Joel here, right? Or he says he's referring to Joel. This is that which was spoken of by Joel, referring to the outpouring of the Spirit. Of course, the Apostle Paul makes that uh, marvelous statement in Romans about living by faith. And then we have John about God is light. In him there is no darkness. So uh, the seeds of God's economy are all there in the Old Testament. Outwardly, the dispensation was somewhat different in the way God was dealing with his people. But intrinsically, it's all there, isn't it? It really is. And in the New Testament, all these marvelous items are made a reality to us who, who love the Lord and believe in him. Bob, another marvelous point is seen in particularly Hosea among the minor prophets. We'll come to that uh, just in a brief way in this third portion. It's, again, this thing we talked about in our opening word today, this relationship between God and his people. And the picture we see again and again, very much in Hosea, God being a husband and a wife. Unfortunately, in Hosea's time during his ministry, a wife that had not remained so faithful. But the prototype for all of this is in the very first book in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. And Jehovah God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And Jehovah God built the rib which he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. The whole Bible being a romance is foreshadowed in these two verses in Genesis. Marvelous. All right, here's Witness Lee with our final portion. Now, the sinful out. God will judge the world. No doubt. Oh, these 12 books all the time talk about judgment. Sinners should prepare to meet God. Christ, as the eternal divine one, came to the earth and was born to be human. He entered into death and resurrection from it, from death, for the extending of God's salvation to all the nations. Sinners who repent and believe in him will be forgiven of their sins and justified by God to have the divine life, that they may walk in the divine light and become the mighty ones of Christ, sent with Christ by God in his second appearing. He will arise as the son of righteousness and come as the angel of the covenant to reign in Zion and shepherd Israel. Then the millennium of the restoration will be brought in. No other books need us to write such a long paragraph concerning the central south because 
these are 12 persons writing. The prophets are minor, but the revelation they brought in is major. The central point of the divine revelation in the minor prophets is the same as that in the major prophets. The crucial emphasis of the revelation released by all the prophets from Isaiah to Malachi is that God wants to have an organic union with his chosen ones, like Adam with Eve. In all the prophets, God does express his desire to have a kind of organic union with his chosen people, making him the life of his chosen people and making his chosen ones the very expression of him. And this becomes a couple. And this couple actually is one person, one compound person, composed of God and his chosen people, just like Adam and Eve, you know. Originally, there was no Eve. There was only Adam. Eventually, Eve came out of Adam. Eve was a piece of rib of Adam. And that piece of rib was built up, a woman, to match Adam, to marry to Adam, to be Adam's counterpart. Eventually, the two became one. One in nature, one in life, one in everything. That is a very type of God's desire, to have him united with his chosen people to be a universal couple. Bob, this point of this universal corporate couple, God with his redeemed people, was a frequent theme in Witness Lee's ministry. Maybe not too much to say it was somewhat of a favorite theme, and that is because it's a favorite theme of God in his book, The Bible, isn't it? It certainly is. In one, probably more than one, Witness Lee said that the entire Bible is a romance between our romantic God and his chosen people. God really wants to have a romantic relationship with all of us. And this relationship, of course, involves his loving us and our loving him. But it involves also a union because Adam and Eve eventually became one. So this shows God and his chosen people should be one. And the entire Bible reveals that God desires to be the life of his chosen ones. He wants to have an organic union with them in which he enters into them to be their life and he lives within them and he lives himself out of them so that they become his expression, even in a corporate way. God's people are one corporate person with God. They are united in life, mingled in nature, and incorporated Uh together to be a corporate entity, a universal couple, a husband and a wife. And this is the theme of the Bible, and it's also the conclusion of the Bible, because the new Jerusalem at the end of the Bible is the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So eventually, God and his people become one couple. And uh, in the end of Revelation, it says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. So God, the Spirit, the consummation of God, after all his processes, and the bride, the wife, 
the consummation of all God's people who have been joined to God in this marvelous organic union become a couple, a universal couple. This is the focus, the central theme of the Bible, and we see it at the very end of the scriptures. Bob, you know, we talk to so many people and uh, dear believers that love the Lord, that love his word, and know God as the redeeming God, as the saving God, that know Christ in many aspects, but yet very infrequently do you come across believers today who have this understanding, this appreciation of something that is so central and dominant throughout the scripture from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. We'll see it again and again spoken of in the minor prophets. This matter of this corporate couple, God with his people, it really has been hidden and veiled by God's enemy, hasn't it? It really has, but it needs to be fully recovered among us, and we need to be deeply impressed with this deep longing in the heart of God. I'm glad that you could join us today, Bob. I think we, we got off to a good start, and uh, we'll continue on in our coming programs. would hope that you could join us many times before we're finished. I have the same hope, Chris. Okay, we also hope you'll be with us as frequently as possible. We would highly recommend you get the printed Life Study messages if you can. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you for being with us today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.